to the Intern Whisperer, the show all about the future of work. I like your energy, buddy. Okay, I did not see that coming, and I am super excited about it. Today's guest is Teresa Aspen, mm -hmm. Aspen, and she is the owner of Spotted Cow Estate Sales, and we are in her store, and it is awesome, and you guys can see it. This is really her store in the background. So welcome, Teresa, to the Intern Whisperer. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. We are very, very excited about you being here. Our show is about education, obviously, because it's about employers working with interns. Um, innovation in business, and that's what we want to hear, is how you've had to innovate, and the future of industries and jobs. So I'm going to let Caesar kick off our first question. So everyone has a start, right? Everyone goes to college as a major. So first question. Tell us about your education background, where you attended college, and what your major was. Okay, um, I went to Delaware State College, um, majored in music, and then I didn't really want to do that anymore. So then I majored in entomology, which is the study of bugs. Bugs. I, my ex-husband was a bug man. <laughs> I know, it's funny. So interesting. But um, college, it just didn't hold the fascination for me. It was fine. I continued to take classes uh, throughout my life, most of the time, I went to several different colleges, picking up accounting classes and business classes and management classes. Um, but it just, I never succeeded in getting a degree. I have a bunch of credit credits. <laughs> um, but most of what I learned from the business was working in the retail business and working my way up from a part-time clerk to managing departments. So that's really where my schooling was through the through those retail departments. So what led you to working in the furniture industry? Because we are surrounded by some really beautiful pieces of furniture. Um, it's eclectic for sure. There's all different types of styles in here, but why, why furniture? You know, I, it, it, it kind of an accident. Is that, is that an answer? Um, sure. I, I've, I've sold stuff my whole life. Uh, my first first thing I got to sell was a box of chocolates that my grandfather bought me because I was unfair at school that, you know, that I went to a Catholic school. So the nuns were making all the money and I thought, well, I can sell chocolate bars. So my grandfather bought me a box of chocolates and I sold them on the corner until I got in trouble from, you know, taking money from the yeah. school. So from a very young age, I've just, I've just always felt this need to to flip things and that, yeah. now we have a term for it but we didn't have a term for it then um so i have done done this sort of thing forever uh when my kids wanted a specific toy um sometimes i may have at one time in their life bought them colored game boys and then sold them for more money and that they didn't get them for christmas i'm just saying that may have happened okay but, okay we but, don't know if your kids are yeah. listening to this show <laughs> but um it, it was just a natural progression of little things here and there and then um uh, i have an estate sale business and i love going to thrift shops and i've never bought a piece of furniture in a retail store mm. never i don't under, i don't understand that one they it's all matchy matchy and i'm not into that um and it, it, it just wasn't what I wanted. So I would go to thrift shops and I'm also pretty cheap. So I didn't want to spend $10,000 on yeah. the couch. I want to spend 500. So now that we're fast forward all these years, um, the estate sale business has a natural progression to the estate sale business is having a storefront. And a lot of the times when you have estate sales, bigger pieces of furniture are left over. 
but it doesn't mean that they're bad for it. It's bad. Mm -hmm. It just means that at that time at that weekend, someone may not have been able to get a truck or they just didn't get paid that weekend. So now right. I, I have a little bit more time uh, for the furniture to sell at the store. So it's not necessarily just furniture. Um, I'm still very interested. In, yeah, collectibles. I'm interested in just about anything. I mean, we have a pair of Muhammad Ali signed boxing shorts in the store. What? Yeah, so stuff. a real a real pair of silk shorts with this picture and everything. So it's just fascinating to me to be able to get things that you're not going to get anymore. You know, we mm -hmm. just sold a an eight foot, and we all remember these, an eight foot crushed velvet sofa. It was beautiful. It was yellow. I loved it from the mm. 70s. I wanted it. But that's the problem being in this job is that your house becomes this warehouse because you want yeah. to keep everything. But it was nice. I had people really fighting to get that couch. Um, a lot of people thought it was funny that I, there's no way you're going to sell that couch. Well, absolutely. I had no oh, doubt. There's I somebody for it. everything. Right. So it's it's not just the furniture. Furniture's fun, but it's really more about the really eclectic pieces that I can get my hands on and try and sell. It's almost like a challenge. You don't think I can sell that. Watch me. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, I get it. One of the things that I like to do is um, I like restoration hardware. I cannot mm. afford restoration mm -hmm. hardware. So I would go and look at their magazines. Yeah. And when I uh, had a previous place, I went and picked out all the pieces I wanted. I went on to Craigslist. I picked the mm -hmm. high end zip codes and I shopped that way. And whatever the price was they were offering, I would offer them 50%. Right. And then I furnished a whole apartment and like an outside patio. I had really, it looked like restoration hardware. Nice. It truly did. And it was all for less than a thousand dollars. And that was the bedroom, the wow. dining table, the bar stools, the couch, everything, that, a desk set, everything that you can imagine. I had like a big Ikea shelf against the wall nice. and then really nice stuff. And I went, I was hooked. Yeah, it so. is. It, it is. If you can, if you can, it's, it is about the deal. I love, yeah. I love negotiating with people. Mm -hmm. I love knowing what I have and having people try and convince me it's not what I have or mm -hmm. make it so it's not as good as it is. So yeah. um, I, I love, I just love the deal. It's, mm -hmm. it's just fine. But that was, those are great deals. If you can do a whole apartment now, online shopping has really taken off. So you probably would be a little harder to do it for a thousand, but yeah. it's, it could still be done. Yeah. People don't go to Craigslist. I don't know. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but you know, it's like people mm -hmm. don't think of that one anymore, mm -hmm. but it's still available. People do right. use it. Facebook has something also. Marketplace. So, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That's hot. Yeah. Okay. Caesar, what's next? So I know some of our listeners may not know there's an industry. I know myself included There's an industry for estate sales and furniture consignment. So please share with, about like two and please share more about these two industries and how they are different. Okay. Um, well, they're different and the same. Uh, an estate sale is when I come to your home and you're, you're moving or unfortunately someone's passed away. We just want to downsize. Um, you know, if you're moving from Florida to California, it's probably not cost effective for you to pack up everything in your house and take it out there because mm -hmm. you're going to get it out there. And I've seen it a million times. It's not going to fit in the place you like. You can't get a place yet. You have to put it in storage. By the time you get it out, you hate it. And you wish you'd have sold it when you left. Um, so there's lots of reasons why people have estate sales. And what an estate sale is, is I come into your home and I go through every drawer, every cabinet, your whole garage, 
every space you have and we open it up, uh, like think of your junk door in your kitchen if you have one yeah. in the garage, okay? So if you're mentally opening that up and you look at it, you're gonna think that there's nothing of value in there. You may see one thing, um, but most of it is like scissors or pencils or tape or- Twist you know, ties. Yeah, your twist tie. You, there's your iPod that from 10 years ago. You're gonna yeah. forget all that stuff in there. And um, my job is to open that drawer and find the value in that. And um, what we'll do is we'll bundle the pencils together and sell them. We'll, we'll sell your scissors. We'll sell your old iPod because it's got some value. You may not think it does, but it, it really does. Um, we do that with every single drawer. And then um, we empty them out and we display everything. So like your kitchen, we'll bring your pots and pans and put them on the, the stove. We'll put all the glasses out. Everything has to come up. And if you, if you don't have enough counter space, we'll bring in shelving. We bring in uh, tables and everything, your clothes, your toothbrush that you forgot to open up in the back of the closet, we're going to sell it all. And your garages are really, um, really your garage is where your money's at. Everybody feels like the, the furniture is where your money's at. Um, you're, when you have an estate sale, half of the money that you're going to make in an estate sale will come from the pencils and the scissors and the toothbrushes and the bars of soap and the, the package of cleaning wipes that you forgot you had in the back of the cabinet. The other half will come from the few pieces of furniture that we're able to sell. Um, but uh, half of your sales will come from all that small stuff, your socks that you never opened, um, your, all your clothes that you left behind, everything has value. We'll even sell the hangers. Um, so when that's all done, uh, we'll do whatever we want with the leftovers. Well, whatever you want with the leftovers. And um, we empty the house. If there's some really nice things left over, that's when a consignment shop comes in handy. Um, that's when I can take uh, grandma's grandfather clock that's worth $5,000 and give it some time to sell. Um, the really eclectic eight foot yellow crushed velvet couch that didn't sell at the sale. I actually sold that for more in the shop than I had it for the sale. Wow. So that's the difference. The shop is, is I can do consignment pieces. If you, you've got something at home that, you know, you love, but it doesn't quite fit anymore. Like your dining room table, you will come to me and say, Hey, can we, can you sell this? And you'll bring it into the shop and we'll, we'll promote it for you. And we'll just try and sell that one particular item for you. So a household, an estate sale, we're selling everything. A consignment shop, we're going to sell select pieces that you want to sell. Does that mm. answer your question? Yeah, I that with clothes. Mm -hmm. You know, I've taken clothes to a store mm -hmm. and, you know, they said, okay, we're going to give you, you know, 50% of whatever it sells for. Mm -hmm. And I went, okay, that's great. It's like having a garage sale, but you don't have to man it. Right. And then you don't, you're not emotionally involved, invested in it. Mm -hmm. So if, if I came to you, to your garage sale, and you've got your grandma's quilt right. that you've used your whole life and you've priced it at hundred dollars. I go, Oh, look, there's holes in it. And I'm starting picking it apart. And I go, I'll give you like five bucks. Well, you're going to become offended. Right. I can stay emotionally detached and I can stay very logical about looking at it. Oh, you're absolutely right. There are some tears in it. This is a 150 year old quilt. It's all handmade. And I can go into great detail about it. And I don't become, I'm not emotionally invested in it. I don't mm -hmm. see my grandma making that quilt. So my job is to get as much as I can for that quilt while also making the customer feel like they're getting a bargain. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a little tightrope game you work, you walk with this business. 
I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, and I have done consignment where I've sold my own things. Mm -hmm. I have done garage sales, but man, it takes so much time. So what I find really mm -hmm. appealing is the fact that I'm surrounded again by really amazing stuff. And I want to sit and spend as much time as possible in here. Mm -hmm. And I would think that that would be probably, like you said, one of the challenges is like, oh, I want this. I want right. this. So this could end up being like the house I live in. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's something you have to be very careful with when you are picking and choosing what comes into a consignment shop. Um, you know, I can't have 15 dining room tables because then I've, I've really limited my market. Right. Um, and you have to be careful that you understand the value of the items. I can't say to you, um, I'm going to sell that mirror for $85. And then I'm, I, you know, get it in here and it sells for two. And then mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm upsetting you. So you just really have to be, you have to be careful. You have to, you have to be willing to research and, and you have to be willing to, you got to You got to know what your, your market is and yeah. what your materials are. What will are. sell, what will sell for mm -hmm. sure. Um, is it my turn? Yeah. Okay. So, um, okay. Well, you already answered this. Why did you choose to start a business in estate sales? So I'm going to skip on over there. Um, what furnishing styles do you think, well, you're going to have your preference, but right. what do you see that people are gravitating to now <clears throat> versus what shows up in your business? And I guess maybe mm -hmm. you pick what shows up in the business. And that, and that's what I was getting to. And I got turned around in a circle. I have to be very careful not to continually pick what I like, because mm -hmm. what I like may, may not, not be sell. what you like, right? It, it, you may hate it and come yeah. in and go, what? Um, I, I try and choose lots of different um, decor. Yeah. Like we have some really high-end pieces. I have some mid-century pieces. I have some very really value pieces. Um, so I try and pick from each each different um, design motif. Yeah, Is see, that the way? Yeah, I definitely see a, a very different styles that are in here. Yeah, you, we've got you the know, family Barco lounger you know, recliner yeah. sit. And then we have a, a, a really great velvet settee. Yeah. I mean, I like it's just, it. right. And, and so two different, completely two different customers that are going to want that. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it has kind of a modern feel because it's black, right. but it's got the, you know, and velvet yeah. is the up and coming material for is furniture. It? Yeah. So velvet, you're going to see velvet in a ton of stuff, a ton of stuff. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do see like, you know, I can describe it so that people know what's in here. But you know, it's everything from I would think modern to mm -hmm. something that's very traditional, to something that's a cross between it. And then I don't know if there's even European styles, because I haven't gone all the way around mm -hmm. here to look. But yeah, yeah, we have I mean, over there, we have, you know, your vintage uh, tier flower trays up to scan design tables. I mean, mm -hmm. it's really true antiques all the way up to scan Scandinavian design stuff. Yes. So it, it, we try and get a little bit of everything because it's no sense in just being the scan design store because then I would be the scan design store. And you would have a very specific demographic Correct. that you're appealing to a lot I'm, of people. I want to I want to appeal to as many different people as I can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll have you, we're going to go to the next question, but you do it. Okay. So out of all the things, you probably sold so many pieces while well, you had that business. So what would you say would be the most interesting thing you sold and the most valuable thing? Okay, the most valuable thing, um, it was pretty interesting. Uh, uh, the Herman Miller chair from 1960, uh, plywood chair, 
I sold that for $5,000. I don't know who, who Herman Miller is. <gasps> there were this, the chairs you went to and they're $8,000. You went, oh, that's nice. And you walked away because you're like, I'm not spending $8,000 on an office chair. Um, so they're still in business. And um, this one had, um, it would ply, rosewood ply on the back. It was five ply. And the, the leather was in perfect conditions. The buttons were all on it, had a footstool with it. it I've not seen one in such great shape since. So, And it's very uh, ergonomically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. really good for the body, right? Yeah, really so, comfortable. So, yeah. Now, I ha now that you say that, mm -hmm. I was going, wait, I have heard this name. You'll see that chair a lot in things like Mad Men, and they'll use it in a lot of mid-century homes that they're trying to sell. They'll bring one of those Herman Miller. I, I just can't think of the name of the chair. Um fly chair and and that'll always be in those um in those staging they'll always mm. use those chairs they're beautiful the funnest item i had was um this statue uh and you wouldn't think anything of it but again you, you kind of have to know you just you just have to know a lot of eclectic stuff um i know that airline industry uh items are collectible your little dishes from first class and your forks really? and spoons. Yeah. When they used to serve everything on real. Like real dishes. Mm -hmm. Oh. So there is a, um, I think it was American Airlines, uh, but it's a, um, it's a figurine and it's about, I don't know, two feet tall and it's called the Menahuna Hawaii. And it was their mascot and it's a statue and he has a Hawaiian lei on it. And that one sold for $800. And that was just the most fun thing that I had because it was just like you just wanted to rub his little head every time you you walked by him and he was fun a big old mustache little Hawaiian skirt on and yeah and they, evidently he has a, a a girlfriend I haven't seen her yet but I'm guaranteed I'll never see that again and that's what makes doing this type of work really fun and fascinating sometimes it's it's mundane because you see the same things but then you'll open up a closet and you're like oh I've never seen that what is yeah. that I want to learn more about that and and having a healthy sense of um uh what's the word i'm looking for uh, when you're trying to learn about something um uh, interest, curiosity curiosity yeah. yeah being curiosity is what you got you have to have in this business in order to keep growing you just have to want to know more i was telling some of the students that were with me last semester as my interns I was telling them, oh, you know, we're going to be interviewing you and it's for estate sales. And they went, what is that? They don't even know what that is. And then they went, so you go into the homes of where people die and you take all of their stuff away. Like, what <laughs> happened? And I went, no, no, that's not quite it. <laughs> so let's back it up just a little bit more. Yeah. They, they just didn't even... Yeah, I mean, and that's, and I do get that. I do get people who come into estate sales and they whisper in and they lean in and they go, who died? so sorry for your loss. And I'm like, nobody died. They just moved. Yeah. And, and I'm going to tell you that 90% of the business that I get is estate sales. No one's died. No mm -hmm. one's died. They've just moved. Um, so I think that, that, that term that you only have an estate sale, if someone dies, I think that's such an antiquated term. I think yeah. in the beginning, that's probably where this focus was, but um, no. And yeah, you do. You, I think of when I set up an estate sale in someone's home, I think of it as a pop-up shop. Yeah. I'm making a pop-up shop in someone's home and you get to buy really cool stuff for really reduced prices. Um, furniture, again, you'll never see again, the real furniture, heavy, ornate, 
yeah. dark wood or light wood or, you know, velvet, or we get it all. We've had plastic, you know, it's just everything. So yeah, you walk through a store and it's set up like a shop mm-hmm. and it's fun. You should, you should go. It's been, it's been nice to see the, the, the change in some of the stuff. Um, people are coming to uh, estate sales and buying more right now because their home and they realize that maybe my home isn't so functional. It looks pretty. It's a great magazine cover, all white marble and, you know, white steel chairs. And it's not very comfortable now that they've spent a year being quarantined at home. They're coming to these state yeah. sales and they're looking for softer items and, and games, board games and anything, ping pong tables, anything to entertain themselves at home right now, yeah. which is great. Yeah, it is great. Um, I'm going to let you, well, I did the last one. You're up. You probably answered this beforehand, but let's see. So what type of customer comes into your store? Um, well, I, you know, I think they're probably a lot like me. Yeah. Um, I enjoy, I, I don't know if it's the hunt. I like looking at history. Uh, when you go to um, thrift stores and antique shops, you're looking at history. You're looking at like those, I have a record a cabinet that was made in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, you know, you're not going to make a record cabinet anymore. That's a wood. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Um, so I like to look at that. And I think that the people that come into my store, you have um, that, that they're looking specifically for things like that stuff that's out of the ordinary. And then you have just people who need um, the reclining sofa. Their dog just ate theirs and and they're not going to go spend another $5,000 on the couch while they have a dog. So they're going to mm-hmm. come in here mm-hmm. and they're going to get a great deal on a really, really nice piece of furniture. So I think that's, you You get all sorts of people. There isn't one, one, one demographic, one style. Um, it's like all generations, right? All generations. I have, um, you know, rich to economical. It's everybody because, you know, one of the, I have, um, now, one of the most expensive pieces that we have to sell, I haven't sold yet, um, is a Murano custom chandelier. And a Murano, it's not in the store. <laughs> I'm looking. <laughs> no, the Murano chandelier, um, it, it, you know, it costs the customer $100,000. Whoa. So that is something that we will send to auction. And they'll do foot photography, and they will send out flyers. And so we do have avenues, if you have really high-end items, we do have avenues that we can help you move that stuff. So you, anybody coming into a store that's like this, um, there, some of them are eco-conscious where they're all about recycling. They're not going back into another retail store to buy anything new. That's it. They're done. And that's great because I feel that way. I, like I said earlier, I, I've literally never bought a piece of furniture in the store. I don't understand that. I will look at it and I think it's pretty, but I don't understand spending that much money on a piece of furniture that may or may not last. I don't know. You know what? I was told um, that the furniture industry has a 300% markup, mm. you know, and that was, I think I used to go to Renegers. Mm. I used uh-huh. to go and look at all of the things that were antiques and not because I liked antiques. It's like what you were right. saying. It's, it's history. the history. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very, I like that very much and go, well, what was the story about this thing? You right. Know? Anyway, 300% markup is amazing mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very similar to like when we buy a car. When mm-hmm. you buy a car, it loses, you know, value as soon as you 
yeah. drive one tire out of the parking lot. Right. And it's got to be the same with furniture if that's the case. But I'm thinking, you know, what you're paying for is supposed to be the craftsmanship that right. it takes to the uniqueness. It, like if you're yeah. going to restoration hardware, you're going for that that style, that look. A and lot it, of like nat natural right. wood, and natural it, and, materials. And it, it does last. Their furniture does last. If you can afford it, it's great furniture. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, if you're buying, if you're going and you can afford, uh, sorry, if you, oh, there's one in my eye. Um, if the only, if you're going shopping and you're going to say like a big lots and you want to buy your living room furniture at big lots, I'm here to tell you not to do that because that stuff is going to fall apart in weeks oh, yeah. and you're going to be sad and you could spend the same money or less in a thrift store or a consignment shop and get really nice stuff like the lazy boy rockers. I mean, it just, if you're going to go to the store and buy, then go to a higher end store. You're going to pay more if you really want something new, just don't go to the big lots of the world because you're really going to regret it. And you're just going to end up with broken furniture and That's broken true. heart. That is very, very mm -hmm. true. So um, there's, okay. So I know that we talked about this, uh, but we'll, we'll still drive it home. Mm -hmm. So I like, um, I actually don't shop consignment a whole lot, mm -hmm. but I would do it with furniture. And I think we were talking about this before we started the show really, but do you think that the people that actually shop consignment like furniture, mm -hmm. um, they also do clothes, they do everything in that sense of, recycling not big lots mm -hmm. shopping but right. truly the true recycling, recycling. Yeah. um i think i have a mix i have some people who go 100% clothing linens beds furniture rugs everything um and then i have some people who will only buy new clothing because they couldn't imagine buying a, a piece of furniture that's been used and then the exact opposite i have people who We'll buy, we're totally fine with the used piece of furniture, but would never put a, another person's shirt on their body. Um, so I do find that it's it's just a good mix. There's not just one person that comes in. Mm, very interesting. Yep. All right. So um, can I do this question? Yeah. Okay. So COVID-19, and I know you touched on this. Mm -hmm. People are at home. They're trying to find things to do. Mm -hmm. I did see that like all of the board games were sold out before Christmas. Yeah. And so people were looking everywhere to find mm -hmm. whether it was Monopoly or just pick anything, right. know, Twister. So that was interesting to me. Um, but, you know, how has that impacted you on your business side? Because people can't go out shopping. So there's like, I don't right. know. It's, um, well, fortunate or not fortunate, uh, you can look at it two ways in Florida. Um, we were able to be open, but when COVID first hit, uh, I hadn't opened the retail store yet. I was getting ready to, but uh, um, we had just the estate sale business portion of it and that completely shut down. We were not allowed to have anything. So not only did that hurt me as a business person, but that also hurt the clients because we had sales lined up, ready to go. The beginning of last year was the best year I'd ever had. I had sales booked and, and I, I couldn't believe how I, I was like, this is my year. Yeah. <laughs> and no, it's not. So, but the problem was um, I didn't have a, a warehouse or anything to, to go to these homes and clean them out. Uh, so the auction houses really benefited when COVID hit. 
because they went to these people's houses and they cleaned them out and then they sent their stuff to auction. But again, the problem with auction houses is that you can't have people come in. So they were, they had to transition to online auctions, which took a little bit of time for people to catch up on. Mm -hmm. Um, So the auction houses are doing live and uh, virtual auctions. Um, The estate sale business was shut down for quite some time and it has been, um, it's been really slow going, uh, getting it back up to speed. Um, hoping, you know, we've just got through with one. We're hoping to have a few more. Um, but the store, we opened the store at the end of October. Um, I think that it was a good time because Florida was opening up. People wanted to get out of the house. Yes, They were coming in just to come in. And that's good. Um, we still have that. And I do find that, um, you know, whether you want to buy that couch online, you, you need to touch it. You need to sit on it, feel it. I agree. And, and, and people aren't buying, they are buying some things online, but I still think furniture they're buying, they've got to touch it. Yeah. So the store, we're still slower than I think we would be if COVID wasn't here, because obviously we still have to, you know, the six feet, the masks and we have to sterilize everything. So there are some people that are still leery about coming into the store. Um, hopefully the estate sale, we can continue to book people. We're starting to see an uptick again. So, and that's the same thing. I have to be aware of how many people are in the house. Can I keep people six feet apart? Mm-hmm. How can I keep them six feet apart? How can I keep the checkout line from being bogged down? Because, you know, you might have 20 or 30 people on a checkout line ready to check out wow. and think about six feet apart. Well, that you, you then you have to limit people coming into the, the house to shop. So it's COVID's been a pain, but it's been good because people are remodeling and they are looking for stuff and they are looking for more comfortable stuff and they are looking for the games and, and they realize that they're trapped at home and that office chair that they've been sitting in and they've been doing okay with for the last five years, thinking one day I'll buy a new office chair. Yeah, they're buying new office chairs now. They're buying little desks for the kids to study at. So, but then office buildings are having a problem because now they have big conference tables and office equipment that they can't get rid of yep. because no one has a market for it. I don't have a market for it. I have I have office equipment that there's just no market. No one is, and I think I see that trend happening where, um, Offices aren't going to be like they were where you're going to have. Oh, no. Yeah. So I think that that's going to start downsizing. And and then what do we do with all that furniture? So it's, it, yeah, COVID's been so fun. <laughs> I had read um, that the trend is to take offices and turn them into apartments, oh. you know, and to do that, you know, there's going to be some remodeling, you know, right. like on a floor. I don't know how they would handle that with bathrooms, honestly, because, you know, in a building oh, you right. have like one bathroom. You're right. So I don't, I just don't see, you know, how they fix that unless it's hostels, you know, something like shared. I have seen that where they're, they're renting, um, like for you and I, the college students rent when they go, they, they rent a bedroom and they all share a kitchen. And I've actually seen a new, a new apartment building coming up locally that's doing that for adults. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just kind of weird. I don't know how community living. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know how comfortable I would be um, sharing a bathroom and a kitchen with everybody. I'm I'm old school. I like my own kitchen. (laughs) I like my own bathroom. But yeah, when it comes to the kitchen too, I'm kind of picky about that also, Mm -hmm. because I sit here and go, I don't know, you better make sure it's all clean because I'm not cleaning up after you. And if you can't clean up after you, then there's the door. 
Right. And then it's clean, you're clean and they're clean and it's a whole different world. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. All right. So Caesar. So you mentioned how furniture stores like are like you shouldn't really go buy certain stores because they well like big box for example it won't last long. I thought because I know I know I know a friend that also has brought in stuff from big box before. I'm rambling so I'll get straight to my question. So okay. which which is better? Which do you think is better, brick and mortar or online sales? Uh, before COVID, I would have told you 100% brick and mortar. Hands down, not a problem. Uh, after COVID, I'm going to tell you that probably 60% of my sales um, come from online sales, online promotions, me marketing the furniture online. Um, What's the best social channel for that? Uh, right now, it's still Facebook Marketplace. Uh, we are in TikTok, which... Um, which seems to get this, that's that whole generation to mm-hmm. renew, reuse. And um, that seems to be um, starting to ramp up. So Instagram is great for crafters, people who have jewelry and Pinterest cookies. Is. Right. But even, even Instagram, Pinterest is great for that. But if you yeah. want to sell, Instagram is great for that. Um, mm-hmm. Instagram is okay for my type of business, but um, it, it, the TikTok, you can do your videos and Marketplace is really where it's at. It is so hot right now. It is you can't keep up with it. I, mm. I people are texting left and right. So I'll spend hours s- taking pictures and selling things online. And if it gets slow in the store, that's what I do. Mm. So yeah, I would say right now uh, your online is really is really winning. That's very interesting. So you and I are part of the Avalon winners of yes. the Innovation Center. We're going to be taking a break here in a minute, but let's give a little shout out to Avalon, to Bayot, to mm-hmm. Stephanie, who's been just amazing yeah. also. Thanks to all those people. But what do you want to say? Um, I could go on and on. I know. I, I Being a winner was uh, a shock. I, I, I applied on a whim and every time the next phase would come up and they wanted one more thing, I was like, really? I mean, it's still okay. Here's the next thing. And then, and then it ended up being like your presentation. And it was kind of like shark tank. Yeah. It was like, what am I supposed to present? I really had no clue. Um, so to find out that I won was just, it was just shocking because in my presentation, there were just a few things I really needed for, um, the estate sale business. And, um, I felt like that's all I needed. And again, that was pre COVID. Um, and one of the things I had said off the cuff, towards the end of my presentation was in the future, I would love to have a store because it's a natural progression for an estate sale company to own a business so that you can help other people. And next thing I know, I get a phone call and they're like, we want you to, we want to help you start a store. And I'm like, what? So if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be able to be branching out right now. I would, I would really be hurting the estate because the estate sales business is slow. So uh, without those guys and their support, I mean, it's support from um, physical to monetary to uh, getting help from people mm-hmm. like you and advertising. We're this a great eclectic group of people and everybody's got such a wonderful gift to bring into this group. And the fifth floor is getting ready to open up. Yes. So that's another avenue that's just, it's going to be great for us to use. I can't 
uh, if it wasn't for these guys right now, I, I would, I probably working in Publix and full time and being a cashier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I appreciate their, their confidence in me mm -hmm. and, and their ability to help me be successful. So yeah, yep. the feeling is mutual. Yeah. So we're going to take a little break for just a minute to acknowledge our sponsor. The Intern Whisperer is brought to you by Cat5 Studios, who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world. Visit Cat5 Studios for more information to learn how Cat5 Studios can help your business. Thank you, Cat5 Studios. All right, so we're back to our show, and it's all about internships, the future of work, and people that invested in us. So I'll kick this question off. Um, we've talked about a lot about the furniture industry and all of this good stuff, but you know, what do you think it's going to look like five years from now? Because this is, it was easy to imagine before COVID, right? And even now still, you know, we're, we're in the home stretch of what COVID is. But, you know, when we were doing some research, we saw it's going to be even more about being eco-friendly. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot more. I've, I've seen designs of smart furniture. Uh, we're not just where your uh, electronics will be able to be connected, your phones and your you know, or Lexas and things like that. But um, there'll be modular pieces so that you're gonna be able to use one piece in many different ways, which is be helpful. Um, and, I, and I think, again, we're back to that trend where people realize that your home needs to be comfortable. It, it could look really pretty in a picture, but if it's not comfortable, then, you know, I, people are spending all that time at home instead of out. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think that um, the pieces that people buy are gonna be purposeful. Uh, they're not going to have a lot of, um, a lot of pieces, uh, you'll have, I think, a uh, few comfortable chairs, uh, useful tables. It won't be, it'll be very mid-century modern, multifunctional and mm -hmm. mid-century modern. It'll be very streamlined. I don't think it's going to be big and fluffy and, and, you know, like the big Barca loungers, you know, that your dad used to sit in. I don't think we're going to have big furniture like that. I think we're going to be back to a more streamlined look and a more comfortable. It'll be comfortable, but it'll be functional and it'll be, there won't be a lot of it. Yeah. Lots of plants, that sort of stuff. Things that are more natural. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I love um, watching, you know, any of the home decor shows mm -hmm. for so very, very much. And one of the favorites I have, I don't think I'd want to live in a tiny home, but I'm amazed at how much functionality they have. Right. And so I can see something like the right. Murphy beds that you, you know, fold up into Murphy a wall beds. and mm -hmm. then you bring it back and now you have more space in your, right. in your house. And so I think that um, definitely there's going to be that as a continued movement. Right. But there's also people like having space because they we're hoarders, not yeah. really, but we do collect a lot of stuff yeah, that yeah. we want, not that right. we need. But you'll, but I see more of um, of that dual functionality where the Murphy bed is really uh, this pretty piece of wood on the wall, which you could hang art on if you screwed both sides. But there's, you know, the cabinets on the side, and you can use that space mm -hmm. any way you want. You have a, a a table that's attached to the wall that could come down. Mm -hmm. So, and the chairs are, I don't know, the chairs you use for something else, but you know, there's just, I think dual functionality, it'll be where it's at. Yep, I agree. How about you, Caesar? What do you think about the future of furniture? I, it's like she's, it's like Teresa said, it's like very, based on my research, like very like smart home, like we're gonna be walking in and be like, Alexa, play, 
play my play the local sports news. Let's say play news right now. Or oh, what or Alexa, like literally, or you can even be in the shower. I don't know why you mm -hmm. want to do this, but like you're like, oh, what? Give me some, of, give me the box score from last night's game. So I think yeah. it's like you said, it's very gonna be like very like smart home is very futuristic so i think yeah that would translate to like if you want your bed to be a certain temperature right you know if that it'll heat it up yeah it'll heat it or cool it down for they you they have um did i interrupt they have the i i see i see wallpaper being very um up and coming bright bold coming patterns back. Mm -hmm. i really? see it coming back bolder patterns um i think it's going to be it'll, it'll make a nice statement to counteract the the really simple lines of your furniture, but they also have these great things that they've been working on, and it's um, I for lack of a better description, it's a TV screen that's thin like wallpaper, and you can wallpaper your rooms with it, and you can change your whole room into an outdoor scene or a rainforest, or you want to so watch the football like a game green screen exactly, you. but it's a it's like television. So you could put a television show on one wall if you want it, or it could be a flower garden, or you could be streaming the zoo. It'll be you 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 want to have a Christmas party, so your walls now become snowflakes and and Christmas trees. Oh my gosh! So I want to see that. Yeah, now. that's I think that is the most exciting thing. But I do I do see wallpaper um, coming back and and a foil wallpaper too, so which I really love. <laughs> that is really really yeah. interesting yeah. yeah wow i whoa that is blowing my mind <laughs> yeah like okay caesar we're gonna have to research that because you know we also do uh the of technology mm -hmm. so i definitely want to see what that one is that that mm -hmm. sounds very interesting um let me see here now well um i'm gonna let you do the next question okay so Teresa, say i came to you but like, hey i want to be an intern for your store what would a typical day be like for me? If what would a typical day be like? Yeah. Um, well, depending on what side of the business you'd be working at. Um, if you were working in the store, uh, you know, the basic responsibilities of retail would be, you know, making sure you're handling the money correctly, um, talking to the customers. Uh, things that I would expect out of the people working for me is, um, you know, uh, maybe being on social media, helping me project uh, the, these are the new items we got in today and, and how to get more traffic into the store, um, making sure there were uh, keeping account on how many people come into the store. What's the weather like today? So a year from now, I can go back and understand why I sold $1,000 a year ago today, but today I, no one's in the store. You know, is it rainy? Do we have a hurricane? Is it snowing outside? Um, but, you know, things like the being track, keeping track of items like that, uh, you know, best foot forward, re-merchandising. It's a whole different animal when it comes to the state sale business. That's you're doing a lot of physical work. Uh, but you would also be responsible for being able to understand the difference between what's trash and what's valuable. Um, and that's something that takes time to learn. You, sometimes you have it, sometimes you have to learn it. And, and my best advice when you're doing something like that is if you pick up something and you've never seen it before, stop, do a little research and see if that something is valuable or not. Mm, that's true. And as you were talking about that, I'm thinking, Caesar, that a history major might very mm -hmm. much love this mm -hmm. because it, it yeah. is, you know, really looking at what has been popular through generations. Right, right. And why? You know, yeah. what, what happened that, you know, we went from streamline, like in the 60s, you had this 
very stream apron leg chair, beautiful furniture. It was very art, art, art driven, I think. Is it art deco? No, it wouldn't really be art deco because that's when you got into the next one. Then okay. you took that mid-century modern furniture and they have, um, you know, you got Andy Warhol. And you think Andy oh. Warhol crazy? Well, the furniture was like that too. It was multicolored. It was textures. It was fur. It was velvets. It was it was crazy. It was amazing. I love that furniture. I love that that uh, that timeline. I'm not a big fan of of you know plain brown furniture and plain white furniture. And you know I I like things that have color and are fun and are exciting and have movement. So um, yeah, I guess I'm like a circus. Mm. <laughs> I remember moving into an apartment once, and this was like a really old apartment. I don't know what generation it would be, but they had um, avocado colored appliances. Mm -hmm. yep. And then there was another one that had turquoise. Oh, and I yeah. went, oh, what, what time girl. zone? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. just really going, what time zone or mm -hmm. what, where am I? In history, because it, I just didn't even know what to make of it. My grandmother's house, which I thought was the most amazing thing in the world, um, you'd walk in. Of course, everything is is perfect. You know, the plastic on the furniture, you remember. And um, But she had French provincial, which was ornate and carved, and it was gold, and it was turquoise. And she had this giant lady lamp. And the giant lady lamp um, I still own, uh, she on her pedestal is about six feet tall. And Whoa. it's amazing, but she's turquoise and cream and I love her. And that comes straight from the 60s. Um, so yeah, the end of the 50s, the middle of the 60s, right before that hippie movement where everything yeah. became uh, very simple, that was very yeah. ornate. It was very like uh, Louis the 15th or 16th or 125th or whatever Louis that was. So it was very exciting. I loved her furniture, but it was very ornate. So you just don't get that anymore, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm going to correct myself. Mm -hmm. I did not mean time zone. I meant era. Yeah. What era did it come from? I was going, wait, even in my head, that. I was going, what am I saying time zone? That has nothing to do yeah, with that it. Yeah, avocado so. gold and uh, the avocado, avocado green. Avocado green and the- um, You said harvest, harvest gold. Harvest gold. Those were- true 70s, early 80s colors. Everybody had them in their house. Everybody, all the stoves, their, their flooring, your refrigerator, all your appliances. It was. I just, I, I just mm -hmm. really felt like I walked back in time. Yeah. And yeah. not only that, the refrigerator, it was turquoise, but it was <sighs> the size of just a little bit bigger than me. And I'm like 5'2". Right. And so I went, what, what is this? This is not like a mini <laughs> fridge. It's not a yeah. full fridge. I'm going, what is, I yeah. just had no idea what it was. Yeah. Things were smaller. I mean, things were smaller. Uh, furniture was smaller. Uh, you know, everything you, you look at the size of a, um, I would keep saying Barco lounger. And I understand some people don't know what that is, but it's a lazy boy recliner. It's just the first version. Yeah. It's the first version of a lazy boy recliner. They're really high end, really expensive. But those chairs were really small compared to what we have today. I mean, really small. Mm -hmm. Big people like myself, we'd have a hard time fitting in them now. Mm -hmm. So, um, but everything was more streamlined and smaller then because we were coming out of that and getting into mm -hmm. big and ornate. And yeah, I've seen. Um, now this is a little bit off topic, but I'm I'm going to tie it together. So uh, one of my friends has a recliner mm -hmm. and it has a, a USB port so oh, she can yeah. you know plug in her phone yeah. it has lights it has all <laughs> kinds of stuff around and I went what again I'm still going what is this but you know it's like that when you go even into movie theaters mm -hmm. if, for those that do 
Um, you know, they do recline back. They I know. Have like all kinds of what? special bear bells I know. and whistles. You can lay, you, you practically fall asleep at the movie theater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, furniture. And that's the, that's the thing when I'm saying smart technology. It, yeah. it will all be like that pretty soon. We're never going to have to leave our recliners. Everything will be there. We'll push a button and the drinks will pop up and we'll just live. In that's what chair. she says. She says, I can sleep on. in this chair. She yeah. literally sits in it and she would sit here and go, well, it's so relaxing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it may vibrate also. I'm not I'm sure, sure, but it does. you know, it does a lot of fancy <laughs> yeah. stuff. So anyway, there's, there's all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, what is the best mentoring advice that you've ever received in your life that, because we do uh, share mentoring advice with, you know, our interns that yeah. or our students that watch the show or listen to it, but surprisingly we have more businesses. So mm -hmm. what is some really good mentoring advice that could be business advice that you would pass on to another one of our entrepreneur audience? Well, obviously it's never one mentor. It is not. It's, it's mentors from when you're, five years old to every day. Um, so many mentors, my uh, grandfather, just believing in the fact that I could sell those candy bars, mm -hmm. um, uh, willing to take the rap from my mother when he got in trouble. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, watching my siblings going out and doing what they wanted to do, going to college, joining the military, being brave enough to do, to do the next thing. Um, you know, I've, I've watched so many people through their lives. My father was, uh, he owned his own business. He was a doctor, but it was his own practice. He never branched out into other ones. So um, it, it, you, you have this sense of understanding that if you are a business owner, your time is not your own. Mm -hmm. You know, you can schedule everything you want, but your time is not your own. So being able to make sure that you can step back and schedule some time to yourself, shut off the phone, walk away from the computer and recharge because right. not constantly going, 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 um, you will break down and then nothing gets done well. Right. I, I, we've all done it because you think uh, this has to be done, this has to be done, this has to be done. And next thing you do, you, 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 nothing. So taking that that little bit of time and, um, and uh, Mr. Callie had said to me at the meeting, he's like, yeah, I'm like, look, I've never run a retail store. And he said to me, uh, just do it. We'll figure it out. Just do it. So I think you just do it. You just get in there. You put one foot in the front of the other. You only have to make it to lunch. And if you get after lunch, then you only have to make it to dinner and then you only have to make it to bed. And then you get to try it all over again. And, and that little breaks well, you'll make it through the day, just do it. And if it scares you, even better. Because yeah. if it scares you, then you're in the right spot. I so. would think that your background of, since you've worked at Publix, mm -hmm. that this would be very similar to you because you put food on a shelf, that's mm -hmm. inventory. You have inventory here. It's about, okay, positioning right. it. Where does it sit on the shelf? Mm -hmm. You've got customer service down. I've worked retail yeah. my whole life. You uh, understand this. But, okay, there's the worker yeah. And then there's the owner. Yeah. Um, so not only are you concerned with what it looks like in the store, mm -hmm. I have to be concerned with um, employees, Everything. right. Bringing in the merchandise, making sure I don't, I don't run out. And then what do I do? Your insurances, your, how do I, how do I continue to grow the business? How do you get customers in? Where's this all coming from? And you're, 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 you're. Yeah. So if you get on that wheel, it really does. It is, it is really different. The running of the store 
piece of cake, yeah. not a problem. Doesn't, doesn't freak me out. Um, but, but the management end of it, mm -hmm. it's not even just being a store manager. It's still a whole different than there's you so own many, it. you own it and it's yours to, to win or lose. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, you just, it's a different level of responsibility. It is. Did you ever read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Um, I probably read it. I remember it in the house and I, I, if, if it was in the house, I read it, but I, I remember very little about it. So the thing that was my, one of my, one of my, I guess, advisors had said, here, read this book. And it totally changed how I thought because it was about thinking like an owner mm -hmm. versus thinking like the employee. Right. And you it's have different. to wear different hats and there's even mm -hmm. still the owner and then there's the manager and then mm -hmm. there's also, you know, this, this person that's your employee. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, if you're the employee, you just clock in and clock that's out. That's right. At, at Publix, I don't have to worry. I mean, I apologize if we're out of bread. I'm so sorry. We'll get some more in maybe tomorrow. But as a store owner, I'm like, what do you mean we're out of bread? How can we be out of bread? Now I've lost that customer. Now they're going to go buy from someone else. Will that affect my revenue for the rest of it? How am I going to get more bread into that never happens again? And it just, yeah. it just goes. So you have to, it is really, there are many different levels. So yes. I think a good, a good piece of advice also is to find an industry you want to work at and, and try it out, yeah. try different positions, but work at it from the bottom to the top. Exactly. You you think it's not important. You really do. I, we're all kids. We think that we know everything when we get started. I don't know why I can't do that. Anybody can do this. But you know, first retail job I had, um, the lights went out in the store or in the mall. Mm -hmm. Ours are the only ones that went out. So somebody went and flipped the breaker, but only half the store came on. Well, I happened to be when they be there when they built the store. The maintenance guy said to me one day in passing, hey, if the lights ever go out and your this section doesn't go on, you get a breaker box back in there. Just go flip it. Oh, like, okay. I never thought twice about it. It happened one day. I'm coming out of the break out of the storage room after flipping the light on. And the manager's like, What did you just do? What did, and I'm like, oh, the breaker box is back there. How did you know that was back there? I'm like, because I was here at the beginning. So if you're there, you will learn really crazy stuff that it will help you in the future. I know it may not sound it now, but start at the bottom, start yeah. at the bottom. It'll, I agree. it'll be great. I agree. So I was on an interview with, um, with a prospective intern with one of the other intern pursued employers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the young woman said, oh, she wants to be an entrepreneur. And all three, <laughs> it was like three of us on there, you know, myself and the employers, they asked that I participate. They said, okay, this is the hardest thing you'd ever do. And you better make sure that you oh, yeah. get as much experience as you possibly can in a paid job right. <laughs> and do it while you're an intern and learn everything that you possibly can because it does not happen overnight. It can take 10, 15 years. So be prepared. And we all went, yep, that is. But yeah, and you still don't know it all. You still, you, you I, don't. every single day I come no. into the store and the, and the estate sale business, you, you, I am learning something new constantly. Yeah. And, and, and it's good. I, I totally enjoy it. So, yeah. yeah, I sit here and I think everybody's an intern because yeah. technology moves so fast. You're right. So I, I would like to reframe that definition because <laughs> I, I don't think being an intern is, is bad at all. It, okay. So Caesar, tell me if this is true. The word intern gives you more mercy and grace than you can ever imagine because people know you're there to learn. Yeah. True or false. I think it's like 50 50 because like they know that you're learning but at the same time they kind of like not 
give you high expectations, but like, okay, you, we kind of expect you to do this, but like, I think it's like 50, 50 for me. Yeah. Yeah. But you have the ability, if you don't feel like they're utilizing you to say, Hey, I've, I've mastered these. Do you think I've done that? Well, can you give me some more things to do? So, and that, that as a, as a business owner, I appreciate that because I may have noticed that you've done the tasks I've given you really, really well, but then I may not have been thinking that, oh, well, I can give him to do this so that I don't have to do it anymore. So anything you can take off the plate of the person that's using you as Double an intern is, is, man, they, 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 you don't even realize how much that's helpful. The young lady that works for me, I, I was like, I have to do this, 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 this. And she goes, well, I'll do that. And I'm like, I stopped and I'm like, oh yeah, you can do that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so great. Thank you so much. Yeah. That little bit has elevated her from being an hourly employee to she's now, I can trust her to run the store. Yeah. And that's been a very short time. So yeah. yeah, take it off their plate, whatever they can do. Yeah. And that that also gets you a little bit into management. Yeah, it so. does. Yeah, because I will tell the the students that work with me is, hey, I'm not training you to be an intern. I am training you to be a manager. I'm training you to be a problem solver and anybody that can right. take something off of my plate, like you're saying, mm -hmm. then for me, you go up to the top of the food chain for me. Cause I'm like, okay, you've got my attention because now you've made my life easier. Right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. If you can, if you can make my day less stressful and I don't have to worry about the little things that I'm constantly worrying about, yes. it makes it so that I can grow the business faster and bigger, which is only going to benefit you because then you can have a position and I can pay you more and I can give you more responsibility. And then I can go do other things and maybe build another business, which is the goal is to have another store where it's just consignment and people can rent spaces. So I have all these ideas in my head, but I have to have people who are willing to come to me and, and, and take it off my plate. Yeah. I can do this for you. Allow me to help you yep. and then do it. Don't, don't drop the ball. <laughs> All right. So I'll let you ask her the last question here. So say some say one of our listeners want to go go to your store. How are they in touch with you? Like the address, like your website, what like what social channels are you on? What email do they want to? Okay, we're to on you? everything. Um Twitter and, and Instagram and, and uh uh TikTok. We're on all of it. Yeah, uh, so Facebook. Facebook. So we've really, uh, I have a marketing person who's really good at the social media. So uh, our actual storefront is uh, 1201 Avalon Lake Drive, uh, Sweet C like cow. It was very convenient to get that sweet. Yes. Um, so that's in Orlando where it's always sunny and fabulous. Um, and uh, Instagram, all of my handles are the same, Spotted Cow Sales. So you can find me on TikTok as Spotted Cow Sales, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook is where I do most of my posting. So Spotted Cow Sales. And if you type that in or use the at symbol, I think you can do that now. Yes. At Spotted Cow Sales, all the things I'm learning. Yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. And yeah, just reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Yep. And so she can ship something to you online. If you mm -hmm. shop online, if you want to come into the store, you can. And you can definitely see a lot of fun stuff in here. Well, I want to say it's been delightful having you. you. I thoroughly enjoyed this. <laughs> um, Caesar, good job. You were over here fielding the uh, interviews with us. And
going to make sure that I want to give a little shout out to our production team, Caesar, our intern, associate producer intern, Ian Castro, Ashley Gonzalez, and Steve Neese. They're all part of the video team that makes all of the posts look amazing. And I just want to say thank you to our listeners. All right. Good night. Thank you.